That's some sensational catch. Absolutely brilliant from Hooper. Was hit back firmly by Maiello. Hammered down the ground. It could fly all the way for a maximum. It's going to soar into the sky. That's the six they needed. That's 50 for Forbrush. What a knock that is from him. Outstanding striking. And that six brings Guernsey back into the game. Could be a catch. What a catch. One-handed grab. And that's Josh Butler, the captain. Oh, my days. We have been treated to some catches in this tournament. Welcome to Under the Covers, Guernsey Cricket's very own podcast. I'm Ben Furbrush, Guernsey Cricket Development Manager. On this podcast, we will be chatting to players old and new, coaches, administrators and other cricketing keen beans along the way. On today's episode is a man that's played over 50 games for Guernsey Cricket, Lee Savadon. Welcome to the podcast, Lee Savadon. Thank you for having me. So you are born in Guernsey, 22nd of October 1976. Um, what's your earliest sort of childhood cricket memories? Um, I suppose it's probably, I would say I was probably around about 11 or so. The North Football Club actually had a, a cricket team at this point. Right. Um, living at Varsland, I would just get on the bike, ride down to Lamar and go and watch cricket. Um, as it happened, the following year, North were a player short and basically said, oh, you, my football coach at the time, said, come and have a game. So I ended up keeping wicket. Right. Uh, was, were you tall back then? Yeah, I was probably still about six two, six three at that <laughs> point. So an odd, odd choice at that point. But I actually, quite enjoyed keeping wicket. To be fair. Yeah. So I mean, well, your slip fielding and sort of short cover fielding was quite good. But that might be down to the, the days of keeping then. Uh, possibly. Yeah. I mean, uh, after that, I started playing in in the youth leagues. And I actually played for the youth service. Right. Um, so. Absolute whipping boys of, of the <laughs> league, and it was really much a, a mixed match of, of people who went to different youth clubs across the island. Um, those were played on the memorial field on the small yeah. little postage stamp ground there. <laughs> so still exists. Still there. Um, and ended up keeping wicket in a few games there, and then I thought, no, I've got to stop doing this. This, is, <laughs> this isn't right. So you attended both Cattle and Grammar School, um, where I believe you played a lot of basketball rather than cricket at these schools. What was the sort of cricket in scene like back then? Uh, well, basically, outside of Elizabeth College, it was pretty much non-existent. Um, grammar started to, to sort of introduce a bit more cricket, but effectively, any any island team, all all the players came from from college. Right. Um, thankfully, I broke that mould. <laughs> um, around about, I'd, I'd have been. 13 I think when when I first got invited onto a tour and that was because of John Mountford right so John was was obviously at the grammar school at that point yeah um, I was playing in the in the grammar school first team instead of going to biology lessons on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon it was great I was <laughs> sat out on the field at uh, at grammar school looking into the biology lab watching all my my <laughs> fellow classmates <laughs> working away while I'm stand up, basically sort on the boundary yeah. <laughs> and having a game of cricket it was great so yeah that was the cricket side of things and then with regards to basketball you obviously played that to a pretty high level as well yeah basketball was, it was just one of those games that I enjoyed and you know, I had access to the gyms at grammar school every lunchtime so I would just go in and practice and, you know, to be fair it was a way of keeping fit as well but yeah you know, being my height as well, yeah. you know, it was quite a natural, natural thing to do. So, ended up starting to play, and because I'm I'm that type of person, which you you kind of self teach, 
Yeah. Just kept trying things. Yeah. You know, with, with basketball and you did it with cricket and, and any sports really. You just try things out and you actually end up for self-teaching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and working out what works for you and how your game will progress and yeah, basketball. Yeah, thankfully I ended up becoming pretty successful with that. You know, unfortunately, once professional cricket took over, they wouldn't allow yeah. me to play anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, sure. so I pretty much stopped. I think I stopped when I was nineteen playing basketball. Yeah. And then with regards to the Guernsey sort of age group stuff, uh, were you involved right from the way from under 11s or was there no such thing as sort of under 11s, under 13s back then? How no, did it look? The, there was literally just an under 15 team right. that used to tour Southampton. Yeah. Um, I actually went on that tour when I was 13. So it was a little bit daunting to be honest, yeah. you know, at 13 <laughs> with, uh, with a whole group of 15 year olds and also being the only person that isn't at Elizabeth College. Yeah, yeah. And on that tour, you actually got spotted by Hampshire. Um, it was the following year that I right. went on the same tour. Um, it's the the under fifteen manager at the time for Hampshire. He kind of had a look at me. Obviously, when I went on that first year, I didn't get the opportunity to play as much. Yeah. So I'm not opening the batting or not batting in yeah, the yeah. top order, and you know, instead of bowling sort of eight or nine overs, you're bowling three and yeah. But um, but the following year I got given much better opportunity, and luckily enough I hit three hundreds in five innings. <laughs> so you know, yeah. from that point, that's when that's when Hampshire were like, okay, we need to do something here and and try and get them over to play in the age group stuff. And then with that, were you an all rounder then, or was it more just batting you were focused on? I would say more a batter. Yeah, you know, I did bowl, but I wasn't I wasn't over. Overskilled, let's say, bowling-wise, yeah. um, my action was awful, all over the place. No doubt, why I've got different injuries <laughs> now, which you know, thankfully I've managed to iron out that action over over the years. But but yeah, I, I just wanted to be involved in the game, so I, was, you know, I didn't want to sit there. For, you know, apart from maybe yourself, yeah. building's boring. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you sat there going, oh, you know, I don't want to be watching the game from third man or from yeah, yeah. fine leg yeah. or whatever just you want to be want involved, to be involved yeah. so that you know the time goes quicker and you're actually just enjoying the game more yeah and then with with that did you know at some stage you're going to have to move to Hampshire and when did that move actually sort of materialise yeah it was the following year um, so that would have been my last year at under 15s yeah and Terry Trods was was the manager of, of Hampshire at that point and he basically said to me he said look you You've got to come for trials, yeah. but don't worry about it. The only problem is, is that if you don't turn up for trials, and then you're put in the squad, I'm going to get all sorts of grief from other parents in yeah. the UK to say, "Well, how, how come this? But we never saw him at a trial. Why? Why is he in the squad, and why is my son not?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, "Just, just turn up." He said, "All I want you to do is just get 25, and yeah, that'll that'll do. That'll prove, and yeah, and then we'll get you in the squad." So. I ended up moving over for about five weeks and, right. and living with, with Terry yeah. for those sort of five weeks and, and playing the, the rest of the calendar there and did pretty well. Um, it was still classed as um, Hampshire Schools Cricket up to under 15 and then it moved to Hampshire Cricket Board at under 16. Right, okay. So the following year, again, Terry was like, you don't need to come to trials this year. Let's just... Yeah. Let's just get you over, and you know, instead of wasting your time and coming over for for different 
trial matches. We're just going to get you over for, for six weeks um, for all the fixtures then. So, and again, I, I lived with Terry for those those six weeks and was looked after very well and, and it all sort of moved on from there. And then with Hampshire back then, was it a case of under 15s, under 17s academy or academies not such a thing? No academies. Right. Uh, it was, it was, you basically had under 15, 16, 17, 19. Right. At that point. Um, no academy. Yeah. And then just no straight into senior contracts. cricket. Second team cricket, I guess, was the thing. Yeah. I mean, I made my second team debut when I was 16. Right. Yeah. You were effectively thrown in. The the county staffs at that point were a lot bigger than what they are now. Yeah. And mostly that was to do with accommodating the fact that you've got two teams you've got to play. Yeah, yeah. Injuries, yeah. etc. So, so yeah, you didn't have the academy players that you could just yeah bring in and, yeah and bring in like you can do now. So obviously, county staffs and the number of professionals are a lot smaller now than what it was back, then, it was yeah. back then. Yeah. And then and along, alongside the Hampshire stuff in 1993, you made your interim debut. Uh, the college field batting at number three. Um, I think looking back at the game, you you'd have only been sixteen. How was yeah. that? That must have been pretty daunting as a sixteen-year-old. It was actually a really weird one because ITV literally followed me around all morning before right. the game, trying to have a net and get filmed in the net. And you're trying to have a bowl, and they're still there, they're yeah. still all over you. Probably mostly because of my age and that. You know, at that point, I was just about to sign my first. Um, effectively, what their classes are like a YTS yeah, yeah. contract yeah. with with Hampshire. So um, the class was summer contracts. So if that's for people who are still in education, then you basically join up with the squad once your yeah once your uh, educational year finishes. Um, but yeah, I'd, I've got to say with cricket, I've never actually really felt nervous. I, right. I don't feel nervous for me. I feel nervous for other people. Yeah. So when I'm watching somebody go out to bat, and I know they might not be on a good run etc and you're just thinking oh come on please yeah yeah please you know make this your day so I've never really felt it myself yeah um which is kind of a nice position to be in yeah yeah there is times where you do get nervous in in certain situations and and it's a good thing as well yeah 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 naturally Um, but but often it's that sort of controlling of emotions and that can lead you through to get through you know, whatever it is if you're batting your first five minutes are crucial if you're bowling your first over is crucial yeah and it kind of sets you up for the rest of the day so yeah, it's getting through that part yeah and like we said there you fe- featured for Hampshire second team um, in 1994 you had to then wait until 1997 to make your first class debut versus Yorkshire uh, you picked up two wickets one of which included Michael Vaughan uh, that must have been pretty special or probably at that stage you didn't know who Vaughan was or I think the Yorkshire team at that point, you knew who everyone was. It was uh, an incredibly strong team. And the ironic thing is, I actually made my debut as a bowler. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in particular on that match, I ended up bowling first change. I was lucky enough I got a wicket with my fourth ball. Right. So we got David Byers, the Yorkshire, Yorkshire captain yeah. at that point caught a slip by one of my really good mates from, from back then Matt Keach and um, where we played we played at a United Services Portsmouth and there's a ridge in the wicket and Malcolm Marshall was coach at the time and he basically told the captain Sabs has to bowl from that end to go and try and hit the ridge yeah. to get extra bounce because it kind of fell pretty much with my natural length at that point 
So, of course, the captain decides to bowl himself from that <laughs> end. I then get brought on from the other end. Malcolm Marshall stood on the balcony with his arms up in the air, screaming like mad. And when he screamed in his high-pitched West Indian voice, <laughs> yeah. it went all the way around the ground. And it was pretty much along the lines of, why the is he yeah. bowling from that end? <laughs> and then, of course, I go and get a wicket fourth ball. So the captain looks round at him and just basically shrugs his shoulders <laughs> and says, well, that's why. I mean, yeah, that was the, the first morning of the first day. And I can say that in the dressing room, that, that <laughs> lunch, it, it was a little bit heated between the coach and the captain. Did you sort of feel uh, other players who have come on the podcast have always spoken about how uh, they sort of feel that step up every time they take a step up? Can I play at this level? Was that the case? Or did you sort of know you were ready to, to step up? I think from a because I played as a bowler, it was very different. Right. If I'd yeah. have played as as a batter, which was what I would always class as my main strength, yeah, then I might have been a bit less less secure. Yeah. As a bowler, we were literally down to the bare bones of which bowlers were left fit, right, to actually play on in that match. So I hadn't particularly done anything with the ball leading up to to that particular match. Right, yeah, so it was almost yeah, like I, no pressure. Yeah. I bowled okay, yeah. but I'd been opening the batting in the second team. Right, yeah. Yeah, and then suddenly I go and play in this game and then I'm batting at nine. Yeah. <laughs> so you sat there going, actually, my main strength here, I can't really use it. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's sort of... Let's see what happens. Alleviate any pressure off you anyway. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, let's see what happens. You know, we're obviously playing Yorkshire, who I'm pretty sure they won the league that year with the team they had. Yeah. You know, Darren Lehman hit probably the best innings I've ever had the displeasure at the time to, <laughs> yeah. you know, to be on the field watching with uh, you know, 140 overs in the dirt and <laughs> him smash it around to every corner but but yeah I think you know, obviously the first over but getting that wicket in the first over yeah, yeah. settles everything yeah. Yeah. yeah and then in 1998 you appeared in the famous Wisdom Cricket magazine as one of the five young players to watch uh, alongside some big names here Andrew Strauss Andrew Flintoff Steve Harmison and O.A. Shah. Do you actually remember that sort of article coming out and, and having a read? I do remember it. They did all right, those four, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, didn't play for Guernsey, though. <laughs> well, you know, some things are bigger. So, yeah, I, I, I did see it. It actually got it got sent to me by uh, Hampshire's club historian, Dave Allen. Right. And he sent it over to me. I, I probably wouldn't have seen it if not. Yeah. At the time, but he sent it to me, and he was like, "Look, you know, they, they're holding you in pretty high regard here." Yeah. Because you, these guys are being touted as playing for England. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that never quite materialised. But it's still a, a yeah, for me personally, it's a lovely thing to yeah, no, definitely to be associated yeah. with. But alongside that, obviously, your chances of Hampshire are pretty limited. Um, you touched on sort of injuries before. Um, it sort of was injury plagued throughout your entire career, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it always felt that just when I was knocking on the door yeah. to get in the first team and have a have a regular run, then I'd get injured again. Right, yeah. And it was just so frustrating. Um, and no doubt frustrating for Hampshire as well at the same yeah. time. But yeah. yeah, I think I ended up, probably my best mate at Hampshire ended up Dave Newman, the physio. Yeah. Because I spent more time in there than, yeah. than where I would like to have. But... Yeah, it was, it was difficult. I think we got to 99 and I was basically promised that I'm going to play in every one-day game. Right. Um, 
when we had Jimmy Cook as, as the coach at that point, and Jimmy was, was outstanding. Yeah, um, yeah. And he basically said to two of us youngsters, you're going to play in every game. And Jimmy being South African, he used to go back to, to South Africa and run the Comrades Marathon every year. Right. So we had a game at Basingstoke against Durham. So I've turned up expecting to play. I'm fit. I'd actually had had an injection ten days before in my back to make sure that I was fit yeah. for this game. Um, I won't name the coach here, but Basingstoke's what you class as an outground, so all the warm up is done in in the middle, yeah, and all the fans can come onto the pitch. So you're having a bowl through at the start of the match, and you've just literally got a rope between you and the fans. Right. So I've bowled my last ball in the warm up. And as the coach caught the ball with the mitt, he turned around and said, oh, Sab, you're not playing today, you're not fit. And the 30-odd spectators that were sat there have gone, looks all right to me. So, uh, so yeah, with Jimmy being away, once yeah, Jimmy yeah. found out, he, he basically phoned me that night and said, what's wrong? Why are you not on the scorecard? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I said, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, so really frustrating because that could have been that little kickstart yeah 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 to you know, to know that you're guaranteed a few games there's less pressure I was going to bat four in every game right so you're yeah, actually being able to to bat in positions where yeah you can influence the game yeah yeah. yeah but yeah it was one of those things uh, alongside sort of the Hampshire summers did you do many seasons away and if so where yeah I played uh, two seasons in Durban right uh, for Glenwood yeah, uh, that was outstanding. I mean, we had some unbelievable players yeah. in our club side uh, with Del Benkenstein. Yeah, who he's had a successful career. Yeah, rated as one of the best captains in in yeah. South Africa. Sean Pollock played, Lance Klusner, Andrew Hudson. Yeah, uh, we had probably another seven or eight um, Natal players. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's unbelievable standard in that. And then in 2000, uh, you made history becoming the first ever player to take five wickets, uh, five for 93, at the Rose Bowls Nursery Ground, uh, playing against a familiar face for Guernsey folk, uh, Keith Greenfield. And uh, Grubby actually scored 100 that day, or in that match. Yeah, interestingly, that was the first game at the Rose Bowl Nursery Ground. Yeah. And, yeah... I was actually really lucky. I was captain yeah. of the second yeah. team in that game. I think Grubby was captain. Yeah, he was. He was right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a picture of both of you there shaking hands for the match. And as it happens, Billy Taylor, who was one of my best mates at the time, he'd he didn't get given much of a go with Hampshire, and he ended up moving to Sussex and became pretty successful there. And now he's a first class umpire. Right. So he ended up bowling the first ball on the ground. <laughs> Me and Grubby were the first captains. And you know, the way the game went, I mean, Grubby played well, goodness you, so. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was um, just a surreal experience. There was no dressing rooms, yeah. nothing was ready. You know, the whole of the, the Rose Bowl at that point was being built. Um, but they effectively just sent us in and used us as guinea pigs and said, test the wicket. And, well, you can see from the scorecards, it was, it was pretty yeah, good. It was good, yeah, yeah. Uh, not quite the same when we played the first game on the main ground <laughs> which again I was lucky enough to be captain of right. in that game so I ended up being the first captain for Hampshire on both yeah. both grounds but we played Glamorgan 
and Simon Jones was playing. And this wicket, you you could be, it could land eight foot away from you and going over your head. Yeah. And the next one's hitting you on the ankle. Yeah. And uh, I still remember I got naught in the first innings there, and it was it was probably the first time that I was so pleased <laughs> because. As, as everyone said, I didn't hit it. Yeah. But the umpire gave me out, caught behind, I was like, oh, that'll do. I'm not, I'm not hanging around here yeah. on, on this. <laughs> you know, as we were watching, we had a trialist as well playing, and oh, he just got peppered. Right. Poor lad. He's, he was trying to rejuvenate his career. He yeah, yeah. North End and was, he was basically, he was England under 19 captain for two right. years. So a serious player. Yeah. And he's got to have a trial on that wicket. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. So also in 2000, you announced your retirement for professional cricket. Did you feel, did you have a couple of questions there? Did you have any years left in your contract? And was it a case of, I'm done here, my body's just not going to hold out any longer? Okay. Um, contract, I, Hampshire had offered me a two-year contract. So I was out of contract basically right. at the end of September. I had a back operation in August. So... I didn't feel that I could sign that contract at that moment in time. Yeah. And mostly because, again, there were still no academies around at that point. Academies probably came another three, four years after that. Right, yeah. And nothing against these players, but I'd watched so many players sitting on a balcony or playing in the second team where they're ex-first team players with 100, 150 yeah. first-class appearances. And all they're doing is actually taking away the opportunities for the youngsters because they're contracted, they're on much more money than the youngsters are. Yeah. So the club feels obliged that actually we're paying this person, we've, we've got to use them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even though I was, I was still young at that point, I didn't want to be that person. Yeah. So what I, what I did is I agreed with, with Hampshire is that I wouldn't sign the contract. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what the outcome of a a back operation would be at that point and I basically said look we can readdress it in December and they said yes absolutely fine you know that's that's fine they said yeah, even if we end up just doing a yeah, if it's fine we do a rolling contract you know month by month just to see how it goes yeah and we'll go from there and, and do that unfortunately when it came to December when I asked Hampshire they said they hadn't registered me right so that was it <laughs> at that point so following the Hampshire stuff, you actually became a bit of a local league legend in Hampshire. Um, last year when I was actually with Frithy over in Hampshire, him. he had a handbook in the back Beautiful of his car. Uh, and your name from kept on Pete cropping Field. up in there um, with various stats of your league. What are your memories of, here. I know it's a long career, but of, of the Hampshire League? The yeah, it's a, it's a strong league. You yeah. know, it, it is a strong league and a lot of it depends on which overseas players come over as well. Yeah. So there's been some guys that have come over that are international cricketers. Yeah. They're not just you know, looking to, to carve a career and, and effectively doing what I did, going to South Africa and just playing the off-season so keeping your eye yeah. you know, These guys have gone on, some have played in Big Bash. They, you know, ben Maxwell played two years yeah. in our league. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Chris Rogers. Yeah. You know, there's some serious players that played. I mean, I think with league cricket, I, I went back to Portsmouth because um, I was living in Portsmouth at the time and I, I played a little bit for Portsmouth while I was still contracted. Right. 
so when when we didn't have a fixture on a Saturday we some of us were allowed to go and play club cricket just yeah. to keep your eye in effectively so I played a bit for Portsmouth um, and I went back there for a few years and it, the wicket wasn't great there so you were never going to rack up sort of five, six hundred runs a season that yeah, sort yeah. of thing you know. um, but a lot of um, a lot of my mates from Hampshire went there as well at the same time so we had Derek Kenway Matt Keach Raj Maru was there Yeah. so you know, we had some some good lads around and then at the time Bournemouth and Poole they were creating a, a cricket academy which was effectively a school as well yeah so we had five of those kids that would come and play so it worked out quite nicely that we had sort of four experienced players and then these five kids coming through yeah yeah um, so, so it worked pretty well but I think with club cricket when I when I finally decided to make the move to, to BAT yeah so BAT at the time they became Tottenham Ealing after yeah, yeah. after BAT folded as a as a company. Um, they were the best team. The wicket, just an absolute belter there. Yeah. And what they tried to do is they effectively they were a bit like a Real Madrid and Barcelona is they would try and sign every year the best player in the league. Right. And I ended up moving to Tottenham. So it just worked out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I lived a mile from the ground. Yeah. I ended up playing football for them, I ended up playing darts for them. You know, it was, it was perfect. And, yeah. you know, we had, we had Banksy, who, who Frithy plays with, yeah. the spa shop now. Mm -hmm. He was the captain at the time. He would just spend all day sat on the roller. Yeah. And so the wicket must have been fantastic. It was yeah. just incredible. So, you know, the two, the first two years I had there, I won the, won the league batting. Yeah. Um, and you would just, every time you went out to bat, you'd just sit there going, as long as you're not stupid, yeah, you're going to score runs here today. Yeah. So, I think that's that's when it sort of those are my two most enjoyable years with club cricket. We also won the the North Gear T Twenty yes. National. Yes. Yeah, the national knockout with that team, which was which was interesting because the team we had for the semi final and final was nowhere near the team we could have had. Right. Yeah. But because guys travelled to Western Supermare in the earlier earlier rounds when some of the big guns couldn't play we kept them in yeah and rewarded them and you know as it happened we ended up winning it comfortably yeah yeah um, yeah I think the lad who batted at number four on that day I think I think he faced like three balls in two matches right <laughs> yeah because yeah. You know, we managed to to play pretty well on that day and obviously it was live on Sky so we didn't yeah. know this at the time but everyone was watching it at the club and you know, Tottenham Ealing, it changed to Tottenham Ealing at that point. It was a massive social club. Yeah. You know, a thousand members. And you know, the guy said there was like 500 people in there watching it on right. the big screens. We obviously drove back from Canterbury and the chairman said, oh, you know, we've got about 11 o'clock at this point on a Sunday night. And he was like, right, come, come back to the club, we can have a few beers. They're all still there. Yeah. They're all still there in, uh, let's say, slightly worse for wear. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that ended up a, a long, long night, that was. Well, that's actually something which club cricket in the UK is amazing for. So I've been fortunate enough to play uh, for both Cheltenham Cricket Club and Middleton, uh, and the Middleton in the Sussex most recently. And the club atmosphere and club feeling is great. There's nothing better than everyone going back into the club, having a beer, and you actually get to sort of know each other a bit better, I feel. Um, and actually... You know, it's almost like that. You feel a lot more wanted in a way. 
um, which is I know it's hard to replicate in Guernsey because we don't have our own grounds and you don't have your own bar um, which is obviously something that for my club Cove we're massive on we always go up for a drink after the game always go up regardless of the result um, but I, yeah I don't know what the answer is of how to replicate that in, in Guernsey cricket I think I think the difficulty with Guernsey cricket is that you only have one team playing on an individual yeah. day Yeah. so at Tottenham for example we had five teams yeah. playing on a Saturday Yeah. so the rule was that at nine o'clock on a Saturday night somebody from every team had to stand up and make a speech about the game right and yeah, as you're sort of moving down into your third, fourth, fifth teams, you might have 13, 14 year olds right. playing. Yeah. Now, this 14 year old might have taken his first wicket. So, in the speech, whoever was doing it would say, he's got his first wicket. And yeah. now you've got all the first team players congratulating him yeah. on getting his first yeah, wicket. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. So, what you ended up building is that even though you were a first team player, you knew the players in the fifth team. Yeah. You yeah. knew them in the fourth team. Like because they'd all come atmosphere. back yeah. and, and be social. And Basically, if you weren't at that meeting, you got fined. Yeah. So you could either hang around. Yeah. And, of course, the game's generally starting at one o'clock. So if you're playing first team or or wherever, we always had to say nine o'clock because second or third team could be an hour and a half away. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got to get back. Um, but it, it just created a, a brilliant atmosphere. And then from there, we, we ended up sorting out like fancy leagues where you had to pick yeah. from certain teams. So you're... Yeah, you'd be going up on that meeting on the Saturday. You'd see one of the kids come in. The first thing you did is, "How did you get on? Yeah, what did you do today?" And if you got nothing, you're like, "Oh, come on, yeah, you know, yeah, come on, you got to wise up, otherwise I'm transferring you out." <laughs> you know, but they would see that from first team players. So it yeah. just created a, a huge bond through the club. When we did these these chats, all the social members used to come in as well, right? In there, so yeah, it was it wasn't a massive room, but you know, 200, 250 people in there yeah, at yeah. that point, just yeah. because they wanted to find out who did something well or who did something yeah. stupid on the day yeah. <laughs> as well so yeah. yeah and then following on from, from Hampshire um, you see so you represented Guernsey first in an IC tournament in 2006 in Scotland uh, a European Division 2 qualifier did you sort of feel um, pressure to perform in that in that game or those games because of you know your history uh, not not really as such we played before that tournament, we actually played three friendlies, right, um, at the Grange against Scotland, right, okay, um, which I think it was pretty much like a grading from the ICC to say, well, actually, yeah, they replied to the ICC, how good are they? Yeah, yeah. Are they actually yeah. good enough to be to be entering, you know, this level of competition? Yeah. So, so of course, me and Frithy played in those, but we were still in the UK at that point. Yeah, yeah. So it gave us an opportunity. Obviously, a lot of the guys that were playing there I'd known from before I left. Yeah. Um, so made it a little bit, little bit easier in that way. Yeah. But it was a, a good sort of standing to, to get used to the guys. So when we got to that tournament, they all knew that you know, who we were effectively and, and, and what we were doing as, as in Frithy and myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know it was for that tournament, it was borderline whether we were actually going to be allowed to play. Right, yeah, for the ICC qualifying. We literally yeah. were waiting, yeah. and you know, our argument was, well, I was born here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Frithy had played, I think, five years or so. Yeah, I think he'd moved back to the UK for a job that summer or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, he was only just, just away just for yeah, a few weeks. So, you know, thankfully, we got the clearance to, 
to play in that tournament. Yeah. And, yeah, and we did pretty well. Yeah, so I looked at your you in particular, so impressive tournament. Uh, seven overs, one for 15 and 43 against Gibraltar. Uh, eight overs, none for 15 versus Greece. Ten overs, one for 37 versus Israel. Uh, and 136 off 25 balls. And then ten overs, four for 44 against France. So, you know, that, that final game against France, France 100 um, and a fourfer. Not only that, bowling ten overs after a hundred is tough. Yeah, but I bowled off spin that day. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah, no, I bowled off spin that day. I don't know why. I don't know why we did it, but I think I was just struggling a bit by then. Yeah. And yeah, and after batting on the wicket, I was like, actually, it's ten in a bit, and it it was quite a big ground. Right. Yeah. So we're like, well. Yeah. yeah. We didn't. We didn't pick another spinner. Yeah, because it'd have been grit. So, you would have probably been the other person in the squad then. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. And, Which yeah. he, I mean, he was probably struggling as well with the five games before well, that. It was more games than that. Right. That tournament was even more. Right. It was, um, yeah, it was long. Also, that tournament we had, um, there were some civil protests. Yeah. Um, regarding Israel. So we had to get on a coach up to RAF Lossiemouth. So six hours on a coach to go and play up there. Um, you know to come back after that and yeah you know, then we played France after that yeah so you know it's a bit a bit tough I mean probably more tough for other lads because they wouldn't have been used to travelling yeah yeah, yeah I in, I, in I Guernsey it was, it was 10 minutes down to the KG5 pretty much from wherever you are yeah exactly <laughs> you know see I, I was more used to it with, yeah you know if we're playing away at Durham then you've got a yeah. five six hour drive you know, so yeah. so yeah it was um it was interesting, but we did okay in that tournament. Yeah, so that was sort of a start of our ICC uh, venture, which you know we're still very much on now. Um, Two thousand eight saw you again feature for Guernsey. Um, this time in ICC Europe, uh, fifty over Division Two qualifier. Um, again, leading from the front. So you were eight overs, three for fourteen versus Gibraltar. Seven point three overs, three for eleven and forty six versus Germany. Then sixty three not out against Croatia. And 10 overs, 2 for 27, and 98 versus Jersey uh, in the final game. Um, that final game we somehow lost, which still haunts me to this day. Uh, I was funny enough chatting to Pass the other day about it. <laughs> um, yeah, what are your memories of that tournament in particular? Running myself out on 98. <laughs> yeah, against Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've still got the picture. And amazingly enough, I dived. <laughs> but... It was getting to the end of the innings and I was batting with Stewie Leprev. Yeah. And I don't think he expected me to turn going for a third. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to get there. This is fine. And he was just like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, you've got to, you've got to go now. I'm, yeah. I'm committed. I'm, yeah. I'm in. And I'm, you, you just take that one half step. Yeah. And yeah, I got run out there. That was frustrating. But on, I, on the whole, the actual tournament was was a superb tournament, really. Um it was still played in whites then as well, I believe. It was, yeah. Still in whites. That's where I can remember the photo so much because I've just got this yeah, brown murder, yeah. patch all over the Barclays Wealth logo. Yeah, I, I do remember uh, one game in that tournament. Cause that, that was sort of my that was my first tournament. Uh, and we play, were playing Germany at the college field, I believe. Uh, and I remember you bumping a bloke. And I was at deep fine leg. And this guy has absolutely moosed it. And it's going straight down my throat. And all it was one of those where you have sort of five minutes it seems like you've got ages and I was just thinking do not drop this this is off Savs and at the time obviously I didn't know you I was thinking this guy's played bigger games than this and I was thinking oh my god 
I'm going to drop this. Uh, he's going to think I'm the worst player here. Fortunately enough, I held on. Um, but yeah, I was like, do not drop this. He's going to spray me. <laughs> I can't believe that people fell. <laughs> You're listening to Under the Covers, Guernsey's very own cricket podcast. We'll be back after the short break. That's the first wicket. Letizia is the one who strikes. He gives it a big celebration. He writes it up in a book. He notes it down and sends them off. You can add Manpreet Singh to that list. That's the breakthrough Letizia needed. That's the breakthrough Guernsey needed. And that's the breakthrough that Mark Ladder to my left wants. A big smile on his face. And a wonderful shot there. Cover drive for four. Stokes already finding the boundary twice in this game. Bats 2009. So saw you actually move to Guernsey in 2008. Uh, it was creation of the Guernsey Cricket Centre. Um, you became sort of head coach there uh, and, and ran the centre. Um, that must have been not only great for yourself, but it was obviously great for Guernsey then getting you back on Ireland. Yeah, I think you know, at the time it was a it was a good move for me. Yeah, you know, to move back. Um, it just made sense. You know, a new venture. You know, obviously, John had spoke to me previously yeah. about it. We played in the Indoor World Cup um, before that, uh, so that was really what the kind of venture was about was to try and get the indoor cricket sort of moving because yeah. the indoor cricket you know, once once you get good at the game it's a fantastic game if you don't understand the game then it, nobody will like it it's yeah. it's one of those those tough games um, so you know, so John invited me to go and play in the, the World Cup for Guernsey in, in Bristol I think it was 2006 yeah. when they yeah. were when they were looking at building the centre yeah, so I think the build actually started in 2006. I think it was actually quite yeah. delayed. Um, um, so, so yeah, so moving back and then it gave me an opportunity to sort of give something back, come back, play, play more for Guernsey. I still could have played for Guernsey while I was in the yeah, UK yeah. Um, because ICC had granted me the, the eligibility yeah. at that point. But yeah, it just felt the right time to, to sort of move back. Yeah, and then alongside that, 2009 was when we played our first World Cricket League as well. Um, so slightly different to the European stuff. Again, leading from the front, you scored 53 against Gibraltar, 8 overs, 1 for 16 versus Japan, 10 overs, 2 for 28 against Bahrain, and 45, and 7 overs, 1 for 14 versus Suriname. Um, alongside that, you also bowled 7.1 overs and 1 for 32 in our final game as well, which would have been against Bahrain, I believe, in the final. Um, what what are your memories of that tournament? Obviously, that was a bit different. Coloured clothing, white ball on Ireland. Yeah, uh, I would say actually it was a frustrating tournament for us in the end. You know, Bahrain were a good side. Yeah, but there was no reason we shouldn't have beaten them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it would have been nice to get that first tournament win. Yeah, you know, with the group of players we had at that point. I think we were probably just just a little bit of an experience that that didn't get us over the line. Yeah, when I actually look back at the scorecards the other day with, with Pasty, um, one thing we did actually note was a lot of those games, we had a brilliant, very experienced top seven or even top six. And then seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven were youngsters like myself, Blaine Carapel, Chris Mahandle, Jamie, Kimbo, all these sorts of guys who had probably not really played much cricket in all fairness. Well, they wouldn't have played much cricket at, at that sort of intensity. Yeah, at yeah. that point. Um, yeah, I think I think it was a very good squad, to be honest. Yeah. At, at that point, I mean, we we were lucky in that we had pretty much a game plan. Yeah. And 
very rarely did we have to waver off that game plan. Yeah. You know, certainly from from a fielding perspective. Yeah. Our biggest key was, you know, can we bat well enough? Yeah. To post post big enough scores, or you know, or to chase down big enough scores, and I would say generally when we lost those games, it was because the batting failed. Yeah. Rather than the bowling and the fielding plans that we had in place, you know, so we had Prithy and Gritchie. 20 yeah. overs in the middle yeah, yeah. that would tie stuff up you know, I would open up I didn't get as many wickets as I would like over playing for Guernsey but very rarely did I did I get hit out of an attack yeah, so yeah, that's one thing that I've noted on everything yeah. is just the fact that you very rarely went for hardly any runs we sort of just set the tone and then obviously like you said you had 20 overs from Frithy and Gritchie there there's only probably really another sort of 10 overs of the game left where they've got to go hard at somebody yeah and that yeah, that was that was good. Stu, as captain at that point, managed it very well, and you know looked at right. Well, who are, who is that sort of fifth and sixth bowler? Yeah. You know, it would be a case of somebody would do the job. Yeah. You know, whether that was uh, could be Blaine. You know, yeah. At that point, Moas was bowling a little bit back yeah. then. You know, Jamie had, had given up the wicket keeping gloves <laughs> at that point. Yeah, wise choice, Joe. <laughs> um, yeah, and started bowling. So you know, once Jamie became a frontline bowler. Yeah. Then our plan was, yeah, we so was reset properly side. executed yeah. um, at that point. So, you know, it was a case. You know, hoops started coming into the equation. Of, yeah. You know, there, with Chris Van Fleet, with lots of lots yeah, of lots other of bowlers. Options. Yeah. That could fulfil that role, and it was a case of if, as a captain, you manage that well, which Stu did, then you can set the right fields and you can ask yeah, the bowler yeah. to do something. Yeah. And then, People are going to take a risk off that person, and they yeah. will pick up wickets. Yeah. You know, whether whether your frontline bowlers are picking up wickets or not, it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. You know, so having the game plan, I mean, the, the biggest key was that obviously the batting relied a lot on Frithy and myself opening yeah, yeah. the batting and back and Frithy being at three. Yeah. You know, we had different combinations. Matt Oliver for a while opening up and. Basically asking him to go and have a bit of a whack and yeah. get us off, and then GH similar. Yeah. So it always felt that with the batting, we never quite got the right balance. Yeah. Yeah. Into the batting, and we could never find the right places for people. As as you all know, you must have got moved around the order. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so many times. Going through the tournaments, actually, I varied from in one of the tournaments. I opened the batting for one game. Um, in the next tournament I was at seven one of them I was as high as five which is actually the one we won in Malaysia I was at five quite a lot in the Goes games and it was almost like didn't really well one I don't think I was actually at the stage where I should be batting five but all of a sudden I was appearing at five which yeah like you said I think that was always the case where we the one change we always had was that seven number seven and eight would we pick a bowler would we pick a batter which was usually between myself and Stu Biss on it (laughs) it was usually one of us would miss out and you know, we we pretty much knew it on most of match days. We get there, we knew it was going to be we're going to be yeah, one of the ones going. I think the problem we probably had, to be honest, is that all of the batters were were all about the same. Yeah. At that yeah. point, so you could have chucked the numbers in a hat and picked yeah. them out. Yeah. Um, so it being coaches, selectors, captain at that yeah. point would have been very difficult. Yeah. Because obviously you we were all a good bunch of mates as well in that team, which which yeah, really that's actually us. one thing Passy touched on as well, the fact that. We just seem like a really close knit group of yeah. blokes. Uh, there's obviously masses of age difference between us, um, but we all just seem to, to 
not only get on, but we actually enjoyed each other's companies. It wasn't like we were getting on it's, for. It, it was a very enjoyable team to play in. Yeah. For, for those, you know, sort of few years, especially when. Yeah. When we started, you could you could really feel that we were starting to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And we were getting closer and closer and closer, and obviously that culminated when we when we did yeah. finally get that win in. Which which in yeah, we'll we'll touch on that just before that. Two thousand nine also saw your return to interinsular duty, uh, and in some style. He scored 102 not out and bowled 10 overs, number 35. Um, I was lucky enough to be 12th man that day, so I do remember that day very well. Uh, and it was at no stage did I ever think, yeah, we're going we're gonna to lose this game. Or It was just almost always seemed in the bag. Um, it was one of the most sort of like controlled innings I've, you know, I've seen. What do you remember about that day? It's a bit of a, bit of a, a weird one, that one. Because I actually broke five bats. <laughs> in that innings and, and you, you probably should have known because it would have been you running yeah, them out yeah running them out yeah <laughs> um, and it's it was probably one of the, the last innings that my mum saw me play right and unfortunately she was diagnosed just before yeah so I was like I'm getting 100 tomorrow yeah yeah I said to her on Friday night so I'm getting 100 tomorrow no matter what yeah and um, it got to the point I don't think it was you as 12th man I think someone else came on and Frithy lent me one of his bats because I broke all of mine at yeah. this point and I had two sat at home so I only live around the corner yeah so Frithy lent me this bat and oh I'm trying to hit it it's going like five yards <laughs> it was the biggest plank I've ever picked up in my life and I'm thinking how on earth do you score runs with this yeah. how can you do it so I've got a feeling it might have been Kimbo and I said to Kimbo I said mum's in the car go and tell her to go home I've got two bats there <laughs> so she quickly went off and they put some cones out to make sure she could repark right where she was yeah. come back kiss me one of her bats back I'm like oh you beauty right okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and start trying to hit there's, the there's also again, nothing worse when you're batting there's a bat you just can't get on with I was just like, sat there thinking mid off snap yeah I, I can't remember it might have been Perchard that was bothering yeah. thinking he, he's got to go over the top yeah, and I think I can't even trust this bat to hit it yeah. forty yards yeah. to clear him. So I can't even take the risk. So I ended up being really boring for about five overs of just knocking it up and down the ground yeah. without taking the risk until I got this bat back. Once I got the bat back, I was like, right, okay, I can have another go now. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we won that game comfortably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, I remember it's probably the first time that I've heard Frithy actually lose the plot on the pitch while we were fielding as well because he really had a go at someone and I was just laughing thinking you can't do that this isn't you then 2010 saw Guernsey host Division 2 50 over European qualifier again um, once again leading from the front he scored 91 against Gibraltar 8 overs 1 for 19 versus Israel 10 overs 2 for 25 versus Germany uh, 6 overs 3 for 8 versus Norway um, again look at those stats you just don't go for runs. What was it? The knack of you obviously had great control. You moved the ball quite a lot as well. Well, this this goes back to actually the, the start of the conversation when we said about bowling. Yeah. And that I just I wasn't a very good bowler at all when yeah. I was young. I, I could bowl reasonable pace then. Yeah. Um, now, thankfully, Malcolm Marshall joins Hampshire as a coach, so I'm running up bowling in the nets, and um, all I could do was bowl little in swingers at that point. Yeah. And he just came up to me and he was like, Sav, in swingers are for girls. <laughs> so I said, What do you mean? I said, I'm a batter. 
he said, no, 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 not anymore. You're an all-rounder. Right. And within five minutes, he got me swinging the ball away. Right. Just slight tinkers, slight changes. But of course, the beauty at that point was that I could still bowl the in-swing because yeah, it yeah. was natural. Yeah. And I was probably quite lucky that when I was trying to bowl away swingers, if I got it slightly wrong, the scene would land and actually just jack back. Right. So it, it ended up making it a dangerous ball if yeah. I actually got it wrong. Yeah. But um, I think when... It, when you look at it, I would literally just sit there and say, that is my spot. Hit me off the spot. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to yeah. bowl away swingers and hit me off the spot. If you do that, then it's a different game. Yeah. Obviously, the white ball would swing for a period of time. Yeah. So not so much. So as with the Guernsey career, as it got older, I would try and bowl as many, if not all up front. Yeah. Because I was not effective at the, the back end of an innings when we had other guys that could do that job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't need to do that job at the back end. You know, I enjoyed doing it when I was a little bit younger. Yeah. Because it's a good challenge. You can pick up a few free wickets yeah. as well. So can't you hoops? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's... Um, the, the other thing you managed to do as well is you managed to almost... That ball used to wobble quite a lot just in the air. Was that just natural? Or was that something that you sort of just worked on with your height? Because it just seemed to sort of like wobble a lot and you never sort of knew how it was going to bounce. I was probably quite lucky that... I'd, Wrist position was really good. That, right. that was basically what Malcolm taught me. He said, look, wrist position is everything. Yeah. That is how you get it all right. And I was probably quite lucky that as soon as you had the seam upright the whole time, yeah. that's when it starts wobbling. And that's yeah. when you, you'll see it in certain test matches, certain grounds like Trent Bridge, you'll see the ball go past the batter and it's going everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The keepers are like, <laughs> yeah. So you see a lot of foreign keepers come over to England. Yeah, you know, struggle. Playing yeah. those grounds, a struggle for a while because it's just yeah. wobbling everywhere. But yeah, it's, it's it's it is luck. Of course, it's luck that it sort of feels that yeah. way. But you know, if you get the same position right, you give yourself the best opportunity. Yeah, and then moving on to 2011, uh, saw Guernsey host and compete at their first T20 European competition. Um, you didn't actually feature to the third game of this competition. Was that due to injury? I think so. I think so. I can't remember actually. Because then you did you did play, but you actually one batted down the order a bit. You were, I think you were at four, um, and then you actually bowled sort of first change as well, which makes me think seems strange that yeah. we picked you and then not to feature as an opening batter, opening bowler, which is what you did for Guernsey for years. Yeah, um, I've got to be honest, I can't even remember that. Yeah, and then well, one you definitely can remember. So uh, back in two thousand eleven. Um, this is what we said about the squad just seemed to click this time. Um, fortunately, I was lucky enough to be involved in this in this period. Uh, we defeated Jersey and Interinsula by 147 runs, um, with you starting with the ball. So you bowled 10 overs, 1 for 23 open the bowling. Um, I can't imagine you'd have come back for a second spell, so it must have been 10 up front. Um, sure what, what are your memories of that game? Um, yeah, again, I mean, we just we dominated the game we were just a, a far stronger side than Jersey yeah. at that point you know Jersey were were in huge transition and you know although they did take a you know a real hide in that day you know it proved that what they were doing at the time three years later yeah yeah um, definitely they became yeah. successful for what, yeah. what they were doing so you know I think they knew that they might have to take a couple of hits against us at this point but they will come back stronger and they prove that yeah and then two weeks later we actually travelled out to Malaysia for World Cricket League 6 um, again you lead them from the front uh, you with both bat and ball actually really so 
he scored 82 versus Fiji and bowled six overs, none for 14 against Q8. He had figures of seven overs, three for 10 versus Nigeria until the rain came and ended that game. I remember that because we were just thinking, can we bowl them out quick enough before this rain comes? You could see it coming in and all of us were rushing around the field and everything like that. And then, well, when that rain did come, it it sort of just curtailed the game immediately. Um, He then went on with 10 overs, two for 26 and 40 versus Malaysia, where we actually qualified for ICC World Cricket League 5. with that, actually, I remember that game against Malaysia very well because you broke their quickest bowler's hand, I think, in that game, uh, which actually did myself and Roscoe a massive favour coming in after. <laughs> yeah, I remember this guy, Suresh. Um, we played against him the year before, I think, or yeah. maybe two years before in, in Singapore. And he was a military medium. <laughs> and this next year, me and GH go out to open the batting. And Suresh has opened the bowling. Geez, oh, have, you, have you seen this guy? I was like, yeah, he's, he's a medium pacer. He's, he's all right. <laughs> and oh my, this bloke has just launched this rocket. G's gone for a pull shot. He's got absolutely nowhere. Yeah. It's just gloved him. Thankfully, it just popped up and, and dropped down. And GH just looked at me and went, that's too quick for me. <laughs> I was like, gee got no choice mate (laughs) I think I remember being a cut shot that day as well Gene I remember him lining up this uh, sorry pull shot lining up this pull shot and it ended up going past third round for four cutting it because he was so late on actually getting his bat round yeah I mean as it happened he he bowled me a lovely half volley and I smashed it back at him and he dropped it yeah broke his hand (laughs) yeah but I did hit it properly which did us a massive favour so I think all the lads in the dressing room were like oh great we'll have to face it did you also find in that tournament um did you find it hard open both batting and bowling? Or was that something you actually enjoyed and sort of loved? No, it, it didn't bother me. I wanted to be involved in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I would always sit there and say, right, well, as a bowler, to utilise my skills the most is to open the bowling. Yeah. And as a batter, I want to bat 50 overs. If, yeah. I, if I bat 50 overs, we're yeah. unlikely to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so if I end up batting at four or five yeah. and then it gets about 20 overs, then it's potentially a different game at that point. So, yeah. you know, you're sort of sitting there going, if you're in that, that position, you've got a bit of control over the game and yeah. how the game will be set up. And also just, that's probably the most experienced player in the team. So yeah. when you're sat there and saying, right, okay, this wicket, actually, this isn't a 280 wicket. This is... Yeah, you know, that one, is actually something which, which you were very good at. I was passing on that message. And obviously, I, back then I was a lot younger and that was something in which, you know, I, I loved it. When I came out to bat with you, you'd tell me, where to hit the ball uh, and what I should be looking to do, basically. And, and run. Just, yeah, and run. <laughs> just made my life a lot easier. But actually, you know, that, that was a massive help as a youngster. And that's probably part of the reason why I've gone on to play for a number of years now. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very important thing. You get everybody watches on the sidelines. and you let's Say you're watching someone like GH. You're like, well, why is he not whacking it out of the park? Yeah. But actually, yeah. it isn't that simple. Yeah. You know, the wicket's actually quite tough. Or it might be just sticky or it's gripping or... You know, at the end of the day, the bowler might actually just bowl, be bowling quite well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's those periods when you sit there and everyone, you know, especially more so now where you're watching things like IPL and Big Bash and the ball's going out the ground every yeah. two seconds, you know, the wickets, are, are, they're like, you know, yeah. they're like roads. Yeah. So the ball's not doing anything. You might swing for a little bit up front, but then 2020 swing hard, you probably clear slip and you yeah. over third yeah. man for six anyway. So... Yeah. Yeah, it was really important to sort of get those messages across to people that actually 260, 270, we don't need today. 
Yeah. But one, you know, if we get bowled out for 100, we've lost the game. Yeah. But if we get 180, yeah, we're, we're in the game. Me. Yeah. We're, we're, we're yeah. giving ourselves two chances. And you know, when, you're, when you're opening or batting at three, you've got that opportunity to be able to, to yeah, work it out it. and just yeah. see it and, and get those messages across to the rest of the team. Yeah, and then following on from us winning that tournament, um, unfortunately, I had to withdraw from the 2012 World Cricket League in Singapore uh, due to a back injury. That must have been pretty devastating. Worked so hard to get us up to our highest ever competition. Yeah, well, I mean, I actually ended up missing the the final from the previous one. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, I didn't play in the final. It, it was sort of I pretty much struggled through the whole tournament. Yeah, fitness wise, and uh, you know, with with my back at that point, so I could kind of feel it going. Yeah, I kind of knew it was coming at that point. So, you know, unfortunately, I ended up having a having another back operation. Yeah, at that point, so that set me back nine months, and then there was no way I was ever going to be. Yeah, yeah, fit, be for fit enough. Yeah, uh, you know, I think I ended up having the operation about six weeks before the tournament. So I was literally following Scoonzy's live commentary. If he was um, there, when he was there, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah laying, laying on the bed and just sort of resting up to to try, obviously with the with the time, yeah, time differences as well. So I, I was following it, but yeah. But and then at the same sort of period, post Singapore, uh, saw a couple of changes in Guernsey cricket. Obviously, Pasty, fantastic record with us back then, um, stepping down from his post, uh, and then another change shortly after. Stu also retired. Um, from not only captaincy but also playing um, at this stage given your injury problems and, and huge changes did you think that it was the right time to step away as well or were you still keen to, to keep going no, I was still keen to play knowing yeah. that knowing that Stuart stepped down um, I still felt yeah sort of vice captain yeah I didn't want to I didn't necessarily want to take on the captaincy had it been offered to me I would have taken it obviously. yeah yeah um, but uh, I still felt that I had enough, enough to in give, the tank yeah. left yeah. to give. Yeah, my, my intention at that point was to play till I was 40. Right, yeah. Um, and me and Gritchie, we basically said in Malaysia after that tournament, we said, look, you know, how good would it be if we can both go out at the same time? Yeah. And that was what we were looking at, looking at potentially doing. And then, unfortunately, yeah. we, we couldn't do that. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. But, yeah, I always felt that while the body was still good enough, I, yeah, I wanted going. to still contribute. Yeah. Now, whether that was in the frontline roles that I'd played for yeah. the previous years or in a slightly different role, then so be it. I mean, the last tournament ended up batting number four. Yeah, which actually is, is something I noted. So um, that's all the arrival of Nick Pothers post Andy Cornford. Um, did you know Skeg from Hampshire before or was it, did you miss each other as you went through the system? Missed each other as players. Right. Um, yeah, didn't, Skeg signed after after I finished there but I didn't know him anyway yeah I, I was still around with with Hampshire and doing different things so yeah so yeah so I so I did know him previously and and knew that you know his coaching as such would be a a good asset for Guernsey knowing you know knowing some of the, the young lads that yeah. he worked with yeah at Hampshire and, and not saying work with as a coach so the likes of you your James Finch you yeah Michael Bates, so actually something Ray, Ravo Woods. even said Ravo in his time they said I always remember Skeg was one of the first teams that always used to come up and be like right what do you need from me do you want me to throw some balls at you yeah. right I'm going to Newbury next week or whatever I'm going to Grey Nichols do you want to come with me we can get sorted some bats out and yeah. he said he always looked out for the next rung down he was he, he was very tough on those kids and actually he probably you know Dorse yeah Woody 
change bids, they would have benefited hugely. Yeah, yeah. Being around, yeah. around him. Yeah. Um, at that time, as a senior player, he would be pushing them and pushing them yeah. and pushing them to, you know, to say, guys, you're talented enough. Come on, why are you not playing in the team with me? Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. So you know, I expected that when he came in, he would he would push the youth system very well, which yeah. he did. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we obviously had a few changes ch- changes then. Um, in his first tournament, T20 European qualifier in Sussex. Um, again, well, I didn't feature in this tournament simply because I wasn't selected. Uh, and I don't know, you didn't feature in it either. Was that, again, sort of the, the back end of the back injury? No, it's interesting. I, I ended up um, in the February that year. I'd been struggling with, with my knee. Right. Well, with my left knee. Yeah. At that point. And um, I sort of said, right, okay, let's, let's just go and have a quick cartilage operation I mean I'd had seven already on that knee so I knew kind of what it was to end up just taking a bit of cartilage out shave it down and then you're out for four weeks and you're you're fine yeah Um, so finally got round to the operation and I said to the guy in Southampton I was like do you know what in the time it's taken my right knee's now really hurting do you mind having a look at that at the same time yeah so he was like yeah he said but if I have to operate are you happy for me to do both knees at the same time so I'm like, well, yeah, if it means yeah. clear up, I've got this tournament coming up. So end up having the operation, wake up and surgeon comes in and he says, well, he said, your right knee was worse than your left. He said, so I've done a microfracture. So I'm like, what is a microfracture? <laughs> and he said, basically, you just drill a whole load of holes into the back of your kneecap so it creates a, a fake blood clot so you get a bit of cartilage back right so I said so what am I looking at there thinking I'd be out four six weeks I said are we looking at like six eight weeks he went oh no no nine months <laughs> I'm like what he said yeah you've got 12 weeks in a splint I do remember this time actually because I remember uh, you hobbling oh, around on no. crotches for god knows how long so I ended up going on that that tour as the manager right on that particular tour um while trying to do the rehab in between and, yeah. and bits and pieces, but just still sort of being in and around, yeah, yeah, in and around the team at that point. So, well, 2014 saw you return to playing. Uh, this time, at World Cricket League in Malaysia. Um, again, you touched on it before. So, slightly different role, batting at four. Impressive stats: 76 versus Malaysia, nine overs, one for 35, six overs, one for 21 against Jersey, eight overs, one for 28, and 98 not out against Cayman Islands. Um, unfortunately, this tournament wasn't to be for us uh, we were relegated out of the, the World Cricket Leagues um, and that actually because held to be actually your last game the one against Cayman Lions um, I mean going out fairly well but what are your memories of that trip? Yeah it wasn't a particularly fun one that one for me yeah. um, it was a difficult trip because I was still literally coming back from that knee injury yeah. so I'd missed the whole of the previous year Yeah. obviously this trip is off season Yeah, yeah. so I'd not played a game in a year yeah. And you, when they said to me and said, oh, will you be fit enough? I said, well, I can't promise that I will or won't. I can't do the training that the lads are doing, yeah. the fitness side of things, because I've obviously got my own program to try and build the strength up in, in the knee. So I kind of always felt that I was going to be a little bit on the on the sidelines as yeah, such yeah. In, in the preparation and never quite sure whether whether it would be right or not. Yeah. Um, obviously went over there played way too much in the three warm-up games yeah um, which which 
was unfortunate but the way it is yeah uh, you, you kind of you still felt that you still wanted to play because you hadn't played for a year yeah yeah so you, you yeah. wanted to do things um, and then in the in the first game no second game uh, when we played Nigeria I bowled three balls and then just felt the back go yeah and I was standing at slip and Kimbo was keeping I couldn't even touch my knees right so I'm sitting there going if Remember his bar. I think it might, it might have been Stokesy that was bowling. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, if he nicks him off here and it's below my knees, yeah. I've pretty much got to wave it through. Yeah. So I ended up going off. Um, unbelievably, Brebs came on for me. He then, <laughs> he then um, chasing the ball, slips on the drain cover yeah. and busts his ankle. So he's now out for the tournament. So I'm now feeling rotten anyway because it's Brebs' first tour yeah. and now he, he hasn't even had he hasn't played, yeah. to play yeah. and he's now sat there you know, for a long period of time watching games and, and can't do anything. So yes, it was very frustrating. Yeah. That, yeah. that particular event, you know, thankfully I was, was fit enough to play in the last two games so it was pretty much just a decent back spasm. Yeah, yeah. Which... Yeah. I was always prone to and because I've not played and then I've bowled Probably in three doesn't, games doesn't help being again. six foot six yeah, or whatever you are <laughs> it's, yeah it's just one of yeah. those things yeah but but I think I always felt that last game against Cayman I always felt that it would be my last game right yeah sort of knowing going into yeah. it yeah just different circumstances that were were going on in the background yeah I felt that was my last game given that though you must look back in your Guernsey career um, started very late obviously but with a lot of pride, um, scoring 1,560 runs at an average of 36.28 and taking 45 wickets uh, at an economy rate of 3.37 and also appearing in 51 games. It's quite impressive because you really didn't start till you're about 30. Yeah, I mean, from from an ICC perspective, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's... uh, Yeah, I've always been very proud playing for Guernsey. You how many games have we played together? Probably all 51, I would say. Yeah, yeah, most much, yeah. Uh, that I've played that you've been involved in. So, yeah. So I think, you know, as much as, yes, I could whinge and moan and <laughs> be upset about everything. So, you know, I always still had this thing is that, look, you know, we have to win. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that's the way it is. And if we didn't win, then, yeah, rightly, I would be seriously annoyed. Yeah. For yeah. 10 minutes, 15 minutes after, and then I'd be saying, right, okay, let's, let's, let's have a beer and let's sort this out tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when we're on when we're on tournaments. Which again, yeah. I think that was one of the traits of that that golden era that we had. Uh, we didn't mind like whoever came in and told you they weren't happy, or they weren't happy of the shot you played, or what you'd done in the field, or whatever. It, you sort of just accepted it and was like, "Yeah, you're right. Actually, let's get on I with think, it." I think it's the same with any sport. Yeah, any sport. If you become a good team, you've got to be able to take criticism from your own teammates. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're classed as the number one player, whether you're classed as the number 14 player in the squad. Yeah. You, you know, if you're not doing what you should be doing or if you're continuing to do the same thing wrong yeah. and somebody calls you out on it, then there's a reason they've called you out. They're yeah. not calling you out just because they, they want to have an argument with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're saying, you know, something's not right here. Yeah. So we've got to get this right. And then 2020 has actually seen your return back to sort of Guernsey in a completely different role now. Uh, coaching coming along to the senior net sessions. 
he came to your first one the other week. Um, again, must be great to help out and obviously just pass on some of those experiences uh, and a bit of that knowledge, which which obviously we all are absorbing at the moment. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I didn't sort of envisage coming back to to any coaching as such. Um, yeah. You know, with not sort of being involved the last two years. You know, I haven't played for two years now. Yeah. Um, but but I did enjoy it and it'll be really interesting over the next few weeks just to, to sort of tap into some of the players especially some of the younger players that yeah. potentially wouldn't have seen me play yeah so yeah I think in one of the seen. groups in one of the groups was myself and Nuzzi which uh, we gave you a bit of stick when we came into your net so <laughs> just reminisced about a few old times and uh, yeah it was a good laugh yeah well I, I do remember you, you mentioning about getting cold sweats when I turned up because you thought I'd want a towel and water <laughs> yeah I thought those days are numbered <laughs> Well, it was when you walked off, I thought you were going to get in for me, but you, you came back empty-handed, so I was very disappointed at that <laughs> No, thank you very much for coming on. It's been great to chat, obviously. Uh, we've shared a load of those memories together already. Uh, it's great to sort of reminisce. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Guernsey Cricket Podcast. Remember to hit the subscribe button and keep listening. Shoot me down